I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. It is Wednesday night, 8 a.m. Eastern, a little bit after. It is On The Beat Live. Greg Barnes, Gregory Hall, and myself, Johnny T-Shirt, and johnnytshirt.com sponsoring that on to beat live and with Greg and Gregory in tow. I'll go to Greg Barnes first. Greg, Carolina preparing for first round matchup against nine seed Marquette. I guess 3.30 tomorrow your time, y'all's time, 4.30 Eastern here in North Carolina. Uh, This is a game that Carolina um, is finally, as Hubert said and other people have said, is getting the full NCAA tournament experience. What's it like down in Fort Worth? It's like old times, Tommy. Uh, just just to have the the open practice. That's the first time we we've done that since the the Luke May days uh, back in in 2019, which is crazy. Uh, but to see fans kind of milling about and to see the players be able to interact with the fans and to sign autographs and take pictures with them, uh, Armando Baycott kind of brushed me out of the way so a young kid can come up behind the bench and take a picture with him. You know, after practice, that kind of stuff's awesome. I mean, that that's what this is about. And the players haven't, you know, gotten to experience that. Uh, in 2020, of course, the tournament was canceled. Last year, it was in a bubble in Indianapolis. Uh, so just that part of it, it kind of, uh, you know, the return of normalcy, I guess. You know, we've talked about that a lot. We're finally getting there. I know we're not quite there yet. But it was interesting to see the players, you know, uh, to be able to, sit in the same room with them and talk to them. We've done that twice this week, and that's the first time that's happened in two years. So it's good for us, selfishly, as media members, but you can tell that the players really enjoy the interaction as well. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about it. I mean, it was 2019 when did this in the real world <laughs> with, with people actually around. Of course, last year was a tournament, but not really a tournament um, as we know it. Gregory, your take, it's been a while, man, and and Carolina's in it. Those open practices were always cool to me to be able to go to either covering it with Inside Carolina or to be there um, from a fan perspective to take your kids to go get to see them practice. Pretty cool experience. Uh, Yeah, I mean, not only has it been a while, but I've never done this. I've never covered an NCAA tournament. So today was pretty cool to uh, actually have good arena Wi-Fi uh that was that was cool um and obviously good enough wi-fi to live stream here from the from the hotel obviously we're getting some people in here now since i told everyone we weren't going to be going live but i lied so a little fun surprise there but no it was i mean it was cool to see them out there just having fun for 30 minutes i mean it wasn't much it was calisthenics and stretching and then the bigs and the guards split up and did their uh layup lines and dunks and at the end, they were having some fun with seeing Justin McCoy do some some dunks. Caleb Love throwing the ball off the side of the backboard to 
to Dontrez and, and things like that. And the players were having fun. RJ trying his best to do dunks off the floor and things like that. So, I mean, it was cool to see and um, talking to them in person these last two weeks has been, has been really cool. I mean, the press conference yesterday, Greg, I mean, Brendan, Brendan Mark started it and he had like four follow-ups. We, we don't get to do that. Like quick fire, like, and it was kind of because Armando didn't really like give him much. So he's kind of going for more and you can kind of re configure your question to, to get a better answer. But on zoom, you just have one try. And if they give you a, a one sentence answer, that's, that's all you get. You can't really dig for more um, like we were able to, to yesterday and just being able to talk to, to these guys more. Yeah. A good example of that, Tommy is uh, I asked, Armando Baycott about uh, Marquette's physicality and that's kind of what they're known for and how North Carolina you know, intends to kind of match up in terms of physicality. And he says, well, I guess we just have to match them physically. Uh, and everybody kind of got to laugh at it, but in a zoom setting, sometimes, you know, the moderator quickly goes to the next question. Everybody got to laugh out of it and everybody kind of started joking with him. And so he's like, all right, all right. And so he gave a you know, extended answer. So, uh, yeah, Gregory's exactly right. The ability to, to follow up and for them to understand what you're asking them. Uh, you, you can do that in a face-to-face setting. It's harder to do over Zoom. Um, that's how you kind of build relationships. That's how you kind of you make sure they understand what you're asking. Uh, you can get the appropriate answer from them that, that you're looking for, that you're, you're trying to you know, get their opinion on. Uh, and that, that's just a, a critical aspect of our job that that's been lacking for, for two years. And so it's, it's nice that we're, we're kind of getting back into the uh, standard operating procedures of things. One thing I like listening to the press conference today, well, a couple of things uh, I like how, and I forget who asked the question and it went from Baycott to RJ and they said, uh, Brady, you got anything? He's like, no, I'm good. I don't need to say anything else. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then, that was about being asked about the Wisconsin game, which he, he wasn't even on the team. So he was like, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it felt like to lose by 23 last year. <laughs> but then the other part of it is um, one of my favorite things, a part of it. And this is something I've been saying to you guys um, while it's all been on Zoom. I liked how the moderator said, this is a hybrid um, press conference here. We will allow people on Zoom to ask questions when the people in the room are finished or whatever. I kind of like that aspect of it because it credits the people that actually go, whether you're sitting up in the nosebleeds at Smith Center covering the game, um, it's a little bit different than sitting on your couch and getting early access. So I kind of appreciate that. I'm a little bit old school. Let's talk a little bit about what they discussed. And Greg, to your point, um, Baycott um, was pretty candid today. Um, or, or yes, whenever they spoke to the media. And he talked about, um, you know, they're not really good at rebounding the basketball. Uh, we've got the size advantage or all that. Those guys were talking as confidently as I've heard them talk all season. Yeah, well, they should be. I mean, this team is playing as well as they have all, all season long. Uh, the, the Pittsburgh game was four weeks ago today. And – I think you can make the case that was the low point of the season. And so over the last four weeks, uh, the team has really played well. Yes, they, they had a bad loss. Well, not a bad loss. They lost to Virginia Tech and were down by 20. Um, Virginia Tech just had a, a great run through the ACC tournament. And uh, so North Carolina went out with a semifinal loss. But really, other than that, they've looked really good. Um, and so this team should be confident. 
And when you look up, you know, matchups are so important in this tournament. And when you start looking at Marquette's stats, you're like, wait a minute. They are as bad as they are rebounding the ball. Uh, let's see. Let me pull it up right here. They are 330th nationally in offensive rebounding percentage. There's only 358 teams in Division One, So they're 330 there. And then they're 306 in defensive rebounding. Um, and you look at what Armando Baycott has done, I and mean, he's already got over 400 rebounds himself this season. Uh, he has a right to say he's going to feast because he will. But the flip side of that is, wait a minute, how does a team that is that bad on the glass, how are they in the NCAA tournament? How are they 19 and 12, and how did they finish fifth in the Big East? Uh, and so we, we can dive into those parts of it. But without a doubt, North Carolina should feel like they have a significant advantage on the glass. Uh, but they've got to make sure it is a substantial margin in that statistic on Thursday for them to feel comfortable about having a chance to win. Yeah, I want to dig into that deeper. But, Gregory, I want to get your take on something else Hubert Davis said. And he's really leaned into these press conferences and gotten so much better. And, and they were discussing um, his pregame speeches and, and all. But he said something that I thought was pretty cool. He said, I want – and I'm paraphrasing. He said, I want these guys to have their own experiences. Basically, he doesn't want the, him and his coaches, Lebo and those guys sitting around talking about, oh, good old times. He wants the guys to get the experience. Um, how important is that for this team to get this bonding experience, to be able to go away – the NCAA tournament, have some fun doing it, but also um, get focused up and prepared for tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, Armando's in his third year playing at the University of North Carolina, and he didn't get a tournament and then lost in the first round the way they did last year. Like, that's like Armando's been at UNC for three years. This is his third season, and that's his whole NCAA tournament experience, right? Like, that's pretty pretty amazing when you think of it like that and leaky's the only guy on this team that's had any tournament success and hubert's he brings up his times in the nba a lot he brings up um he says i played 12 years in the nba he, i played for these coaches so and so he talks about what he played in carolina for four years and like he has a lot of stories to tell and he he brings them up he tells them some to us he, he talks about how he tells them to his players and at the end of the day, you know, he, the main thing he cares about is his players. And the first really big time experience that they had was when they beat Duke at Duke and Brady and Armando are, are breaking down, just crying into his shoulder. Like that's a moment in that game and that day and experience that they'll remember forever. And that's Brady thanking Hubert after that game, saying, thank you, coach. This is why I came here. Things like that. Like that's what Hubert's talking about. And now it's their turn to have those same experiences that Hubert had in the tournament and actually being able to, to win big games like uh, that 1990 game where Hubert passed the ball to Rick Fox. And, and like down the road, we're asking Hubert, like now we're asking Hubert about that game 32 years ago. Um, Hubert wants it to be able down the road, those these players to be asked about big time games and and that starts starts Thursday and it's pretty cool to hear hear Hubert be like yeah we have all these stories but at the end of the day it's like I want them to be able to tell their stories and, and that starts tomorrow. 
Yeah, you didn't have to mention it was 32 years ago. It was freshman year at Carolina for me, watching it on Third West and Granville um, when Fox made the layup against Oklahoma. Um, wow. And now my firstborn is a freshman at Carolina, living in Granville as well. 32 years, man. Appreciate that, Gregory. Um, that's, that's pretty cool, though, that you were a freshman with they were an eight seed, and now he's a freshman, and UNC is an eight seed again. Look at that. Pretty much the same situation, Greg. Um, how important is it for a guy like Brady Man? Tom to is a this? flat circle. Yeah, <laughs> I wish uh, I wish time would slow down a little bit. How, uh, Greg? How important is it for Manic Leaky? They've had the experience going into the tournament. I mean, Greg Gregory Hall's never had the experience covering the NCAA tournament. You have. You've been around it forever. How important is the experience in this setting? You know, I think it's important. Typically, it would be important. But because of what's taken place the last two years, uh, I I think there's such little experience that, I mean, Brady can probably share a few stories here or there, but it's not like he's had you know, some deep runs. Um, you know, kind of Leaky's the same way dating back to his freshman year. So, uh, there's a little bit that they can pull from, but not a whole lot. Uh, and I think that's for a lot of teams nationwide, because when you completely wipe out an entire season and then you have the, the bubble year last year, um, it kind of changes things. Now, I will say uh, kind of on, on the flip side of this, it's not NCAA tournament experience, but it, it's just experience in general. Um Hubert Davis has talked a lot about chemistry and how this team is operating uh, in terms of togetherness better than they have all season long. I think that clearly dates back to last year as well, because when the sophomores now, so Caleb Love and, and RJ Davis, when those guys came in, uh, they didn't have crowds to play in front of. They didn't get the standard North Carolina experience, let alone the NCAA tournament experience. Um, and, you know, Baycott was talking about how last year, even though the tournament took place, I mean, they were pretty much like here, you come here and practice, you go here and eat dinner, and then you go play the game. That's it. That's all you do. And so these guys just haven't had those opportunities to really enjoy being around one another. I'll never forget Will Graves talking about uh, doing the, I don't even remember what the, the name of the slide is, but down in the Bahamas. Uh, doing the, the big slides and they were all scared to do it, but by doing it together and having a good time, they bonded in August. And that really set the stage for them to have a fun year. Uh, you, a lot of these guys haven't had those experiences. And so you, to be able to, to come as far as they have, just in terms of the emotional compatibility aspect of it, uh, this really gives them another shared experience of, okay, this is what the NCAA tournament is like. And I think that's more important than maybe the experience that Leakey or Brady can share because they're actually having to do it together. Uh, and I think that's, that's a very important thing. And that's not just for Carolina. That's for a lot of these teams across the country who have kind of been left out due to what's happened with COVID. Yeah, that's, that's a good take on that. That's, I think it's the leap of faith slide down at the Atlantis. Did it multiple times back in 2019 down there covering with you guys. Uh Let's turn to the Marquette game specifically. Um, a lot of people want to look ahead to Baylor. I don't think that's wise. Um, Gregory, 
somebody in the chat said Marquette's biggest player is 6'7", 250, which that's why Baycott um, has his eyes wide open on being able to dominate on the glass. But this this Marquette team has some quality wins, probably has better quality win- – well, does have better quality wins than Carolina has, uh, minus the Duke game, in my opinion. Um, so what challenges does Marquette present for Carolina – if they're not going to be able to present the size physicality challenge. Greg and I were talking about this while we were sitting there in the media room, just looking at Marquette's pace of play. When they have the ball, they only have it for 15.2 seconds on average, which is fifth fastest in the country. When they don't have the ball, their opponents have the ball for 18.3 seconds on average which is 321st in the country. So when they get the ball, they're running, they get out quick, they score quick, and they don't really allow defenses to set up. And then on the other end, they're very annoying on defense. Um, Greg, you mentioned the deflections thing where Shaka, their team tracks deflections as a stat. And what'd you say? Like they average 29.5 deflections a game or something like that. So, yep. so they're going for the ball. And if you read and watched um, Trevor Marks' breakdown, you know that sometimes they overcommit and they'll give up like four on threes. Um, and so teams that have had success against Marquette have been able to kind of recognize at the top that the guards are going to come after the ball, quick pass, couple passes, and they get an open basket before Marquette even has a chance to uh, be difficult um, on, on the defensive end. So that's kind of what they want to do. They want to get out quick and they want to frustrate you and force turnovers. Um, and so if UNC has bad transition defense and turns the ball over, that's exactly what Marquette wants and they'll have a better chance at winning than, than UNC does if that happens. Marquette averages right at, 7.9, eight, eight steals a game. Carolina's less than five and a half. Greg, is that where this game's won or lost for Carolina is ball security? I think that's a big part of it for, for all the reasons that Gregory just laid out. Um, Marquette, I was looking it up earlier. I think they're averaging a little bit over 15 fast break points per game. So that kind of speaks to how they utilize steals and turnovers to kind of uh, get out and transition and score easy buckets. And that's one of the reasons that I mean, they, they led the uh, Big East in conference play and effective field goal percentage at 54%. That's solid. Uh, and that's, that's without being very good offensively. They were dead last in offensive rebounding percentage. So think about that. Dead last in offensive rebounding percentage. So they're not getting many second-chance point looks, but yet they're still very effective in, in scoring the ball. Um, certainly a key – I really think this comes down to the, the toughness aspect. Um, I mean – just go back to the Pitt game four weeks ago. Pitt had no business being in that game with North Carolina. So what Pitt did was like, you know what? We are going to be as physical as possible and see if North Carolina can handle it. North Carolina could not handle it. Um, and, and, you know, the, the response, and the fans, like, oh, well, the, the refs are against Carolina. No, the refs let them play. And Pitt played and Carolina didn't until Carolina woke up and, uh, you saw there in the last 10 minutes that, hey, if Carolina had played like this the whole game, this would be a blowout. But that didn't happen. 
is Carolina playing better basketball? Yes, they are. Uh, but you know, this team has lost uh, seven of its nine games by 20, but they've, they've trailed by at least 20 points in seven of their nine losses. Uh, and so that, that kind of speaks to, they still have that trend of sometimes when they get hit, they wobble. We saw that on Friday night. Uh, and so I think, I think if they've got to come out and they've got to match or surpass Marquette's physicality, if they do that, they, they can win this game for sure. Greg, everyone says that your guard play is the only really thing that'll take you as far in March. We were, you were showing me Caleb loves shot chart earlier. What's your take on heels guards being able to take them on this run that some people have said that UNC could, could go on if they get through Marquette on tomorrow. Well, look, uh, if Caleb love uh, is, is good Caleb love and takes care of the ball and has good assist numbers and scores efficiently, and that's not shooting 55%, that's shooting you know, 42%. Carolina has a chance to go on a run. Um, but when, when Caleb struggles, like he did against Virginia Tech, because Virginia Tech did a very good job pressuring the ball, and R.J. Davis struggles, Carolina really has no chance. Uh, and that, that's how they get knocked out. If they can't handle Marquette's pressure and they have too many turnovers and they're frustrated and take bad shots and can't make shots, the game's over. I mean, Carolina's not going to have a chance. And so – Undoubtedly, if you look at all the Carolina's best teams, right, whether you got Raymond Felton at point guard in 2009 or 2005, whether you got Ty Lawson 2009, you got Joe Barry 2017, Marcus Page 2016, Kendall Marshall, right? We may be talking about another national championship if Marshall doesn't get hurt in 2012. Uh, and all those guys uh, were very strong. They were aggressive. They knew how to run the offense, all those kind of things. Um, RJ and Caleb are not quite that level yet because they're still young guys. But this is an opportunity for them to say, hey, you know what? We may not be there yet, but this is, this is our chance to show that, that we're getting there. And if they can have a couple good games in this tournament, that really sets the stage for them in the future uh, to really kind of turn it on. But uh, undoubtedly, I, I absolutely agree. Guard play is so critically important in this tournament, especially. Uh, and so, yeah, as we've, we said all year long, this team goes how Caleb Love goes. And even when he has bad games, if he can step up and make big shots late, that's sometimes enough. I think at this point of the year, when you're going up against a good team every night, you can't rely on him just to be good late. He's got to be pretty good throughout the whole game. And they might not be as good as those guys individually. But if RJ and Caleb are playing their roles, they, they together, they can act as a Joel Berry, right? Someone that yep. can be tough and drive, but can also be the floor general, which is what RJ has kind of grown into recently as kind of the main ball handler. And he talked about that today, even being like, look, I've just kind of settled into my role um, and, and it's, and it's been great. The thing about it is, is if you wait to the end, um, to Greg's point, if Caleb Love waits to the end of the game to start playing, or if Carolina waits to the end of the game and starts playing, you realize that if you lose, the season's over. And that's when that basket shrinks and got, gets really small um, when the end is creeping up on you. And so I agree, Carolina can't wait. Greg, two, two words, Shaka Smart and Texas basketball. 
Obviously, he's coaching at Marquette now, but Shaka knows how to play against North Carolina. He's had a lot of success. And what did his teams do against Carolina? They bullied him around. Right. Does he ha- does he have that um, with this Marquette bunch to be able to do that? I, I, you can try, but to be able to do it effectively, do you think they can do that? I think they can on on the perimeter, and I think maybe they can with Brady. Um, this is one of those games where uh, Armando Baycott has a distinct advantage, and he's got to own it. And that's why I say we expect him to win his matchup, right? Did we lose Greg Barnes to the Fort Worth Internet? We might have for a little bit. This uh, Marriott. Because if Baycott's able to control the paint offensively. Am I back? Yeah, you're back. All right. Um, Baycott, when he's in the paint offensively, um, he's got to be dominant. And that's not just getting the ball and scoring. That's specifically on the offensive glass. Because Marquette really doesn't have an answer for him. Um, and you know, in terms of size, somebody said six seven two forty five. That's Justin Lewis. Um, he, he's a big kid. He's more of kind of a wing, kind of a three four type player. Uh, they've got a couple bigger guys who aren't as thick as him. Kerr uh, Quarth, who played with Brady Manick at Oklahoma, he's a really good uh, shot blocker. I mean, in terms of block percentage, he's top ten in the nation. He doesn't play a lot of minutes. He'll probably play more. Uh, Thursday than he has all season just because they need him. They got a couple other guys, but they're still undersized. And uh, I think it's just an opportunity for, for Brady to really dominate down low on both ends. And that may just be a little bit too much for, for Marquette, but certainly Marquette can, can pressure on the wing and they can pressure Brady, I think. Uh, and that's going to be something those guys are going to have to battle back against. You mentioned those guys uh, down low. They're both shooting – Kirkoth and Oso Igadaro are both shooting above 70% from two, but they don't, they don't play a lot. So it's one of those things where Shaka has to balance. Do I play what my guys are comfortable with, or do I play more towards matchups with, with what I, with what I need against UNC? Um, so it'll be interesting to watch tomorrow. If he kind of expands that rotation to try to get some size and some guys that have been successful from two, albeit with, just about a hundred shots from two compared to guys that got over 200. So it'll be interesting. I I don't think, you know, if I'm a coach, I'm not changing what got me there. Um, You might play the big guys a little bit to, to present something different to Baycott, but I don't think you go full out switch up while you got there. Um, But I do believe that smart understands how to play in North Carolina. Um, And we'll see that at four o'clock, four 30 Eastern. Looking at matchups, um, a lot was discussed with Leaky Black. Um, is Greg is Leaky on Justin Lewis? Um, do you put him on one of the other guys and just completely take somebody else out? I do find it fascinating. A couple things: one, Oklahoma's transfers could probably finish top tier at ACC, and two, uh, one guy on this Marquette team one played against Carolina last season. Such is the nature of college basketball these days. Um, but what does Leaky do in this one, Greg? It's a great, great question, Tommy. And the, the fact that Lewis, you know, typically has played the four. Um, he's not like a phenomenal athlete. He's a good athlete, but he's not like out of this world. Uh, this kind of leads me to think that that Brady is going to have to defend him. I, mean, I, I think 
you know, I think in the first Duke game, Hubert Davis kind of, that was a learning lesson for him. Um, try to kind of get, I don't want to say cute, but try to think out of the box a little too much and it got him in trouble. And in Cameron, he just told his guys to man up and said, you know, Brady, good luck to you. You do your best against Bancaro. And he did a pretty good job. He did a good enough job for North Carolina to, to be able to, to win that game. Um, and so because of that, you know, maybe they'll mix it up and put Leakey on, on Lewis some. But I, I have to imagine that, that Brady will be the primary uh, ass there uh, just because, I mean, you, you, it's a small lineup. And so you, are you going to put Brady Manick on uh, Daryl Marcel? I mean, maybe, but that's, that's going to be a challenge um, for Brady because you know, Daryl is really much – he's very much a kind of a driver and penetrator type, type of wing guy. Um, and I think that's probably where Leakey will do a better job. But Hubert's got options, and I, I think that's the – he mentioned it today. The good thing about Leakey is one to four. I mean, we saw him against Kihei Clark for Virginia, and we saw him against uh, Bancaro. So the guy can guard pretty much any position. So you've got a lot, a lot of different options. That's kind of hard to believe uh, the way you put it there, back to back. Garden Clark one night, Bancaro the day before or the game before. Just fascinating what Leakey's been able to. Greg X factors in this one. Gregory X factors in this one can't be goes and comes as Caleb Love. We we understand that's that's a thing every night. So what needs to happen for Carolina to be successful? Uh, I think RJ needs to be able to take care of the basketball and run point efficiently and successfully. Um, Cause it's going to be a, like what Virginia tech tried to do and get up on them and lo- limit, lower the shot clock and things like that. It's going to be very similar um, type of pressure, especially if they go into the one, two, two zone that Trevor highlighted and things like that, that could, confuse rj a little bit um when he drives he's gonna get swarmed quickly he he just needs to be able to take care of the basketball and and deliver it the way cleanly um and if he that if that can happen and you're looking at rj getting his points that he normally does in 15 range i guess that's a little above his average but still the point remains um and then getting those assists with having like a three to one turnover ratio or something like that, I think UNC can be successful. So I really think it's RJ. I know he's the other guard, but just the way that Marquette tries to force turnovers and like those steel numbers you mentioned, if they can limit those, and it starts with him. Greg, once upon a time, if you said, "Oh, a team loves to run," they got they they get up and down, you know, that's I, I'll never forget, and I'm dating myself a lot. Carolina played Loyola Marymount, 88 tournament. Gregory, you probably remember it in your previous life. Um, (laughs) And Carolina won like 129 to 97 when they thought um, Gathers and Bo Kimmel and all them would run Carolina court. It's a little bit different these days, Greg. Carolina's slower, more methodical. But doesn't Marquette's up-tempo speed sort of benefit the Tar Heels? And And given that, Who's important? Is it RJ to, to protect the basketball? Is it something else? Is it Baycott staying on the floor? What's your X factor? Yeah, well, let me say this. this is your, your comment about the Loyola game. Uh, the story that we ran yesterday on the Oklahoma upset back in 1990, the, uh, the game against Kentucky earlier that year, 
Kentucky press Carolina. Carolina won that one 121 to 110 in regulation. I remember that one too. <laughs> I mean, that is a ton of points. We It's been a long time since uh, seen a game like that. Um, yeah, I think people have asked this year, uh, is, is Hubert getting away from the Roy Williams style in terms of pushing tempo at a chaotic pace? Um, I think the answer to that is we don't know. And the reason I say that is – especially early in the year and last year, RJ and Caleb, you almost wanted them to get going too fast if you're the opponent. Because that's when they got careless. That's when they rushed things. Um, and Carolina, for a while there, their best basketball came in half-court sets when they were forced to be methodical and to take their time and to be patient, and they made better decisions that way. Um, I think RJ has progressed a good bit more than Caleb has. Caleb has as well, though. Uh, and so I, I think this will be a test for him for sure. Um, I don't know that Carolina necessarily wants to run at that pace because they haven't proven that they can do it consistently. But I think they can take advantage of some of these lapses. Like Gregory said, anytime you press, as long as you're aggressive going against the press and you're willing to pass the ball at the court instead of just trying to dribble, you can get some easy looks. Um, and so that's what Carolina has to do. Uh, and so they have to take their, take their time. And that's, that's the test for shocker, right? Is okay. They're going to get some easy looks, but if we're getting more turnovers and more easy looks for us, we're going to net out ahead. And that's really the game plan is trying to figure out, okay, well, they're beating us too often. You know, Rick Pitino at Louisville. What did Roy Williams do? Louisville would always try to press Carolina and Carolina would kill them. And so Rick Patino would have to call off the press. Uh, and so that's kind of what we're looking at here. You know, I don't think they're quite at the point where you feel comfortable uh, going against it, but they're going to have to be very patient, very methodical, and just make very good decisions. Gregory, you started the question th thread in our Slack, so I'll ask you the first question. We'll do that one last. Does the bench get more playing time in the first game? I think if this is ever – a game where you're playing to make daggone sure you win, I would say no to the answer to that question. But what do you think? Uh, what is the rotation going to be? Um, I guess it depends on the flow of the game, but if you had to make a guess right now. I think Poth comes in first off the bench for defense. I mean, it's pretty much the rotation that Hubert's had, which the bench comes off in the first half to spell some minutes, and then the starters play the second half. Puff will come off the bench to either for Leaky or Brady, most likely, most likely for Brady if he's the one on Lewis. He'll come in. Uh, Leaky will switch to guarding Lewis. Puff will guard Marcel. Um, you might see Don Trez for his defense or it's just his athletic ability. But I, And then McCoy, too. I mean, McCoy's come off the bench to play some. Um, but you don't really see – that not that much in the first half. And someone asked about Kerwin. And if Kerwin's defense is off, then he's just not going to play. Um, so that's that kind of answers the question about why Kerwin hasn't played much recently. It's just his defensive ability hasn't been there. Um, and that's why. And he'll come in for like a series or two, and he'll make a defensive gaffe, and then Hubert will sub him right out. So it's, it's pretty easy to see that. And I know it's like, no, you need a shooting. 
well, not if RJ, Caleb, and Brady are, are hot, right? So it's kind of like give and take there. But rotation-wise, it, it, it'll be what it has been in the past, which is they come in the first half, spell some minutes, and then second half, if it's a close game, the starters will play and, and ride it out. A question somebody, I believe, Jay asked. Jay, what's up? Uh, how much different is this matchup than last year's Marquette game? I already mentioned that earlier. They got one player. Greg Elliott that played for Marquette last year and then Carolina's got plenty of news new coaching staff so I don't I don't think that game plays much role in this other than um, it could have been a interesting storyline um, should there be somebody still on the roster uh, but I'll ask you this Greg before we get out of here a couple more questions how good are Marquette's guards on the offensive end we've talked about their defense Greg and their hecticness getting in passing lanes but what do they look like offensively, and can they pose problems? They can. Uh, you know, they got a, a young point guard, uh, Tyler Kolick, who played at uh, George Mason last year. But he's been very solid for them um, in terms of assist rate. Uh, I think he's top top 50 in the country, and he's a pretty good defender as well. Uh, not a great three-point shooter, although he takes a lot of them. I think he's around 30%. Uh, but he's solid. But then, I mean, you talk about Daryl Marcel. I mean, Daryl's one of the top defensive players in the country. Uh, just to say, just a hoss, 6'5", 205, great wing player. Uh, played at Maryland under Mark Turgeon for a number of years. And this was really good for I – mean, he's played a ton of basketball throughout his career. Uh, and then the other one uh, is Elliot, who you talked about. Elliot's been around a while, pretty good outside shooter, not much of a, a penetrator. He's more of a kind of a guy they kick out to for, for open looks on the perimeter. But they've they've got a, you know, some some pesky guys that are on the perimeter. Um, and I think I think Kolek's one of those guys that fans will probably hate when they watch him because he's very exuberant. Uh, he kind of uh, acts like a tough guy a little bit on the court. He was doing that during open practice today. Uh, and so, you know, this is kind of the mentality that, that Shaka instills in his players. And uh, I think it'll be – I don't know – they have some attitude. I don't know if they talk trash. I don't know if this is you know, Paulo Bancaro who just runs his mouth the whole game. And so I don't know what kind of chippiness we're going to be seeing with Caleb. We know Caleb likes to talk, right, uh, with Theo John and, and a lot of those guys from Duke. I don't know if Marquette's that way, but they do carry themselves with kind of a brashness. Uh, and so I, I think that component will be interesting to see how it plays out. You mentioned somebody that talk tra talks trash a lot. Peter Kiss for Bryant looks like they're going home in the first four, um, losing to Wright State. Wright State beat NC State, if I remember correctly. Um, interesting. And I mentioned other games, Greg. Is that, a, is that a feather in the cap, Tommy? That's a feather in the cap. That got them in turn. Well, no, I guess their conference. <laughs> that was their biggest out-of-conference win. Um, yeah. Peter Kiss, I keep wanting to think about Peter Chris of Kiss and sing rock and roll all night, party every day. Um, that's another old man reference. Remember that Gregory, one, Do you know that? <laughs> Have you ever heard the song Rock and Roll All Night? Yes. By How's it go? Uh, I don't know. Something like rock and roll all night. There we go. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Okay. Let's it's go. Amazing, how, amazing how it translates. The Texas music is flowing through me. I got my... Where is it? I don't know if I, I said Kiss is Texas. I got my Longhorn here. my big? I got a horse. <laughs> Overlooking my bed while I'm sleeping at night. I got a Longhorn. That's some great decor there. Protecting um, me. You got to go eat some brisket or something. Gregory, uh, you, you put it in the question thread, so I'll ask it. Did anybody 
does anybody have a take on um i think lunardi had carolina in the lead eight we're getting way ahead of ourselves i'll freely admit my bracket my family challenge my uh espn challenge i got carolina in the lead eight um which means um i just jinxed it for tomorrow night but uh, realistically what what is a successful tournament run for this team going into round one gregory win tomorrow and then uh play respectable on saturday and if you win great if you don't you lost to a really good baylor team and you fought for 40 minutes um and then because this is a team two and a half months ago that was on the bubble the whole time like the, the whole last two months of the season so as far as successful tournament run for this team um, as an eight seed, I, I think it's that you win tomorrow and then you're respectable on, on Saturday against Baylor in a, in a good, close, tough game. And the uh, better team or at least more talented team on paper comes out on top and Baylor, just kind of the numbers and how they play defensively. Tommy, you mentioned UNC having UNC in your elite eight. My friends get on me for being the ultimate jinx and just getting everything wrong all the time. And I was telling Greg, I lost like, 12 bets straight while I was up in New York or something like that in college <laughs> basketball games. So for, so my friends didn't get mad at me. I have UNC losing tomorrow in my bracket. So if they win, <laughs> then I'm the ultimate jinx. And it's like, I can never ever bet on UNC or Auburn or anybody ever again, any, any fit, any teams that I have people near me that want to win. I have to want them to lose. So. So, so where, where's Auburn in your bracket? Uh, losing like third round or something like that. The homerness. I'm, I'm playing. Homerness. I'm playing the reverseness here. Reverse who's, your na- who's your national champion, Tommy? I've got Zona beating Kentucky in the national championship. Kentucky. Yep. So you got a, you got a Kentucky taking out Gonzaga. Gonzaga, Kentucky, Kentucky winning Zona and. Kansas or did I go Iowa? I had to look. I think I went Kansas. I'm pretty chalk when I get to the end. I had some updates or upsets early. I got South Dakota State as my double digit Sweet 16. Greg, um, what's successful for this team? Is this it or does it go beyond this? I think this has been a successful season. Um, I said before the season started that I thought if this team can somehow get to the Sweet 16, that it would be a fantastic first year for Hubert. And the fact that he lost a starter in Dawson Garcia uh, midway through the season and has been limited um, since then, I think making that, I mean, you know, winning, winning at Cameron on Coach K's final home game makes this year a success regardless. But the fact that Carolina did that and was able to get to the NCAA tournament in Hubert's first year, um, yeah, it's a success. Every everything from here on out is is gravy. So hopefully fans appreciate that and they won't get all mad whenever Carolina loses. They'll lose at some point. And this is not a team that's going to win the national championship. Uh, can they can they make it to next weekend? Sure. Uh, but hopefully fans understand that and and are able to kind of enjoy the ride and not get so distraught when that loss eventually comes. Greg, what will it take for Caleb to get out of the? crazy sl- shooting slump that he's been in? It's a good question. And um, like we've talked about before, Gregory, I mean, if you look at what he does at the free throw line, I mean, he's phenomenal. He's the school leading free throw shooter. 
And uh, let's see here. I mean, if you look at what he's done this year from the three point line, um, he's at 37%, which is really good, which is really good. The problem is, you know, once he gets inside that three point line, um, and it goes haywire, he shot 34% from two point range in ACC play. I think that's worse than last year. Let's see. Yeah. He was he shot 36.8% in ACC play last year from two, 34% this year. So a quarter of a percent worse this year than last year, which makes no sense. Um, and so some of that sh- shot selection, uh, we've talked before. Some of that is you know, when he goes to the rim, it's almost like he's looking for contact to get a foul instead of just trying to score. Um, and he takes bad angles at times, and that little floater doesn't seem to work. So those are things that can be corrected. Uh, but he, you know, he's a kid that has a ton of potential. He's a great athlete. He can shoot the ball. Uh, he just needs some more development. And, you know, if he, if he decides to stay at Carolina for another two years, he's, he could have a phenomenal senior year. But some of this stuff has to be addressed and has to be worked on. So we know he's a great free throw shooter. We know he's a clutch player when it matters. You, you, if that's the worst thing or the best thing you have going for you, uh, a lot of people will take you. And good three-point shooter. So a lot of, lot of good components there. He's just got to figure out kind of around the basket and uh, you know, shot selection, those kind of things. You got to drive to put the basket, the ball in the basket, put it in the hole. Yep. And that's the, and you nailed it the other day. You were talking about, you know, just then when you drive looking for contact, that's, that's why guys that finish, and we talk about Tyler Hansborough all the time, that dude, like Dewey said the other day, he would make a basket and start going down the other court and they're like, no, you got to and one because you got fouled. You know, and that's, that's the mindset there. And I, I do believe it's a mindset, not a skill. Um, you're right, though. He, he's going to be important. He's going to play an important role. Carolina needs to protect the basketball, and I think they need to dominate on the rebounding end and handle business against Marquette. Everybody is still um, a little bit shy to get all in with this Carolina team, given that Pittsburgh game, given the Virginia Tech performance the other day. Um, but we saw how good Virginia Tech is playing and is uh, as they handled business for the rest of the ACC tournament. Gregory, Greg Barnes, I'm Tommy Ashley. It's been On the Beat Live. I'm going to get out of here right here at 9 o'clock Eastern so these boys can go eat. They're going to eat. At, I'm sure some five-star exquisite restaurant. Um, so Gregory, you better get your second job while you're in Texas if you're going, so you can afford it, brother. I Y'all need some of that have... oil money. Tommy, I got a I got a text from Hawkins. Uh, we get to pick our cow, and they will they will carve off whatever piece of meat we want, and they'll cook it in front of us. So it's gonna be exquisite dinner. Gregory, you can't eat hooves and stuff. You got to get a piece of meat, you know. <laughs> I might only be able to afford the hooves. <laughs> What'd you eat? A uh, burger. I had a burger, a quarter pound burger. That's all you're going to be able to afford at Hawks Restaurant. Boys, it's been fun. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for people to jumping in and listening. Thanks for people taking time out of their day to listen to me and Gregory and Greg talk about Carolina Market NCAA Tournament March Madness. Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com, of course, to support support us, rate us, review us, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, We'll be back again soon. We'll have a post game tomorrow at some point with somebody. Don't know who yet, but I'll be here to talk about Carolina Marquette about 6.30, 7 o'clock tomorrow. Boys, be safe. Okay. 
Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.